Bigger than Capes. Give me some silence. Welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I am Zach, your host person, and this week I am <laughs> my fellow host person, Angela. Yes. Hello, um, yes, I am a fellow host person. Yeah, I've uh, I think I've really nailed like the awkward openings to podcast this month. <laughs> they couldn't be they couldn't be better or worse, as some might say. It, it's weird because I. I know what I need to say. <laughs> it's the actual saying it that's the tricky bit. Yeah, for some reason, as soon as I have to say the the words I know I have to say, I, I become like host person <laughs> mortal. Uh, yeah. That that being said, how are you? Are you good? That's, I'm good, thank you. Yes, yeah. As a, as a person, yes. <laughs> as a host person, we're both. <laughs> yeah, we're both good. Both, yeah, we're we're fine. Um, so how you've been doing anything? You've been reading some stuff, or (laughs) I I have been reading some stuff. Um, I made I made the mistake of this is the problem with Marvel is they keep sucking me back in with Star Wars books. God damn them! Um, so I've been rereading Gillen's Darth Vader. So I've done that, and I've now sort started on Saul's Darth Vader, and decided that I much prefer Gillen's because. It's got triple zero and BT one in, <laughs> and if you have yeah. fun comedy droids in something, I am gonna way prefer that to darkness and depression and death and genocide. To be fair, comedy murder droids. <laughs> exactly. That's that's where I've gone with that. So I now need to track down Doctor Afra. Yeah. Um, for more of that. Um, but yeah, having said this year, I'll probably not read any Marvel. I've I've read some Marvel, which is very unfortunate. I've read other stuff. I have been reading other stuff, and I feel a bit mad at myself for falling into the trap of you know massive popular sci-fi IPs. Um, <laughs> but no, so yeah, no, I've been reading some some indie books. I've read Scouts on a Two, which was excellent. Um, that we discussed in the round table. Um, yeah. I'm very much looking forward to the second issue. I've not read it yet. And um, I, I think I'm very much the same. I've been keeping up on previous things we've discussed, Homesick Pilots and... Yeah. Um, Crossover, which is yes. also very good. There's There's another issue of that coming out soon, I imagine. Yes, I would think so. I can't remember. All I know is... They come out once they do, a month. Yeah, but I can't remember <laughs> where. But no, it's been ni- it's been nice to keep up with some of the ones that we've enjoyed from the roundtable discussion stuff. Because yeah, definitely, and I think it'd be nice to do a kind of catch up when the full like first trade of stuff is out. So I could do a bigger dive into Scouts Honor and crossover and Homesick Pilots yeah. for those people who missed the first, you know over-the-top bit of enthusiasm. <laughs> the classic. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a, a, a reprise, a, uh, yeah. a, se- a sequel, I guess. A sequel. <laughs> it's 
Is that how podcasts work? Can we do sequels? Is that? I don't. Yeah, I'm sure that's how it works. Um, I I haven't been drawn back into Marvel. I'm I'm proud yeah. of myself. But yeah. Gillen, Gillen's Vader is very good, isn't it? Yeah. And he's so over the top. Like there's there's things built into it like the idea that he just goes back to Tatooine every now and again to just beat on sand people and yeah. <laughs> yes. just wail on some Tusken Raiders and he throws yeah. a lightsaber at X-Wing at one point which yeah. is I think will always stick with me as like there wasn't yeah. enough of this in the films no <laughs> it, it's much better than sort of the tortured Soul Vader who's just there's darkness and genocide and all of that and, you know, having nightmares about burning up on Mustafa. And it's, yeah, I just prefer Gillen's slightly OTT, random Darth Vader. Just, yeah, yeah like you I, say, he goes out, he kills some sand people, just, you know, as a regular thing to clear his mind. Which, bizarre, but kind of fits, I guess, in the... yeah. That's, Grand yeah. scheme of Vader? I don't know. Um, yeah. But there, there's definitely some good Star Wars tie-ins and some okay Star Wars tie-ins yes. as well, I think, because the... Um, yeah. and some that just rip your heart out and stamp all over it. Thank you, Lando, for that. Yeah. The, uh, the Lando, the, the first Lando book, which was also Charles Soule, I think. Yes, it was, yes. Yeah, uh, it, it is a good, sad read. and It's just not what you expect. You said Lando Calrissian, oh, galactic hijinks. And it's so not. <laughs> not what you get at all. No, it's emotionally traumatic. But, but quite good. <laughs> mm. I mean, it's good Strikes trauma. Strikes a tough balance, yeah. Don't get me wrong, it's really good trauma. Five-star trauma. But... Yeah, it's just not what you expect from that sort of a book. Yeah, I agree. Um, I can't think what else. It's... I quite like the Phasma tie-in that I, I feel was undermined by how brief Phasma actually existed in the films. There's, a, there's an entire Phasma novel as well. Ooh, I've not read there, that. That's there is. It's been. I've seen it at work. I've not read it. Um, but yeah, there is. There is an entire Phasma novel, which just fascinates me, considering how little screen time she got. I I feel like that's the thing, isn't it? There's there's characters people have like a incredible love for in Star Wars that have so little screen time. I know there's a lot of Boba Fett fans, apparently. Yeah. Um. I, I was always a big Lando guy. I guess I still am. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we don't... There's not enough Lando. and No. <laughs> it's just the truth. There's there's a lot of characters in Star Wars for just long enough to get you interested, but yeah. not long enough for the film to do anything with them. With, yeah. Um, they live on in comic book and novel form. They do. I, I was talking... Mm. I, can't, I don't know why, I don't know who, I was talking recently about the guys who are involved in the blockade around Naboo in... Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I can't remember their names. Uh, Viceroy something, is it? Yes. Oh, it begins with an N, I think, but I can't remember what it is. And just the fact that I don't know if their backstory was ever fleshed out by anyone, but... Yeah. 
just a little bit more information would probably have, have what you know really helped. I think. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I don't know what information I want. I just I want something. Where did they they get this blockade? Why? How? Um, who many, are they? Yeah, the, the, they're the pawns of Count Dooku, who's the pawn of Palpatine, as it turns out. But there's so many Politics. gaps in their in their narrative. It's because we see them then. I think they appear briefly in like Attack of the Clones. They're maybe? in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I can't remember. Do they end up? Dying in Attack of the Clones, or do they get killed off in Revenge of the Sith? I can't remember what they do a get lot killed of people off. People die in the, a in lot the <laughs> Yeah, they do. It's just it's a death city, really. <laughs> I mean, the only people who make out alive is basically the Emperor, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan. and Obi Wan Kenobi, yeah. and R2D2, and the twins. Obviously, they they yeah. pull through. They're just kind of integral later on, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they say. Um. I don't know. I feel like I could make quite a long list of characters from the prequels who I just need a little, like, slightly more information on. Yeah. Um, yeah they'll, they'll appear in something, some spin-off. I mean, we're going to have, what, about 20 different Star Wars series and things coming up. So, no doubt, you know, some stuff will be fleshed out there, I assume. Yeah, there's, there's a constant threat of more Star Wars. Yeah, it never ends. It never ends because it makes money. Uh, yeah, pretty much. And some of it I get and some of it I don't, but that's... You I see, guess that's... that's the burden of being a person. <laughs> I don't, person. I don't, I don't know where I was going with the burden of no. being a host person is yeah, that... Yeah, host person is But I think that's what they do, is they're literally churning out so much that someone's going to like it. Yeah, and, and then... Those some ones are going to assume everyone else does. Yeah, and then there's going to be you know arguments on Twitter and Reddit, and that's how it goes. I, I feel like I've had a lot of conversations that are essentially, yes, the Mandalorian is fine. <laughs> <laughs> like just, just to, it's it's totally fine. Please let's not talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I actually work with someone who every week asks if I've caught up on The Mandalorian yet. And the answer is always yes. like, no, I. when would I do that? I don't have time. I have other things that I need to consume for my media. Yeah, I have to spend days figuring out what I'm talking about on podcasts and then I have to work a huge a- amount of stuff. The life of a host person is a difficult <laughs> one. The more we say host person, the more it sounds like I've got, like, some kind of intergalactic parasite Sorry, when it offers me. Say, it's the trill all over again. <laughs> oh, man. It's... Mm. <laughs> so, from one host person to another. Yes. Um, I don't know where to go. <laughs> Go From on. one host person to another, let's talk about our sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Segway? Question Segway. mark? Segway, yeah. So every podcast has hosts <laughs> and host persons, and it also has a sponsor, and our sponsor is Travelling Man. This is true, and they are based in Manchester, Leeds, Newcastle, and York, and they do comics and stuff. Um, <laughs> comics. Other, or other- Geek 
interest-related items. That's the vaguest. <laughs> like, um, I, yeah, board games, comics, other such things, Funko Pop things. What are they called? Funko Pops. Funko there Pops. You go. <laughs> <laughs> um, it more complicated, but they have all of those. I often wonder. It, now that people aren't in stores making impulse buys, how how well do you think the Funko market's doing right now? I mean, I'll be honest, I've ended up buying a couple on eBay, so... Who have you become? <laughs> in my defence, it's droids, so I figure I'm okay with that. I have to ask, which droids? I've got... So I've got Chopper. From Star Wars Rebels, I have several choppers now, which is slightly disturbing. Um, and K2SO, and I have a lot of K2SOs okay. as well. I think one of the perks with stuff that's like droids or something that isn't the standard Funko shape means that it does give you a little bit of variety. And like um, I've got, yeah. I've got Lion Cat, and Lion Cat is at least different enough that it's like, hey, yeah. no, this is fine. I've got Lion Cat. That's okay. Yeah. And a few others that, yeah, don't fit that standard Funko. Yeah, I like I like different things rather than just the straightforward. You know, I have a I have baby Groot because yeah. why wouldn't you? Because that works. But some of them just don't look anything like the characters and they also look soulless and dead in the eyes. So there's that. There's a certain relatability though in that, I think. <laughs> That's how we all feel. Um, no, I, I made the f- fatal mistake of buying some and winning some. I won the first Funko I got. I, I, this is such a disconnect. I won a Harley Quinn Funko in a pub quiz. Wow. And because I had I, I had it with me and like threw it in a backpack and just forgot about it. And then at, at gigs a few weeks later, it was like, oh, I still had it. And I put it on top of an amp. And people then took that to be like, oh, Zach's into Funkos. And it's like, no, no, whoa, 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 I, I, I won a Harley Quinn. And the amp's red, she's part red, there's a theme. And people are like, yeah, yeah, I got you a Batman. It's like, why did you get me a Batman? <laughs> Don't no. gift me. Uh, which, yeah, and then I bought Baby Groot and a couple of the other Guardians. Yeah. And people took that as, oh, you know, we can buy you more Guardians. It's like, okay, no. but... but stop there um yeah no thank you very much whilst cool and cute at first they quickly become a thing that multiplies around yeah the home um anyway you can get some of those from traveling man if uh, they haven't already taken over your (laughs) if you want to get into funko pops that you know they're they're an option for you and you know they're a gateway drug into other vinyl, other vinyl statues. I'm sure. Sadly, true in my case. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Carry on. Um, yeah. So yeah, traveling man currently offering click and collect in Manchester and Newcastle, and um, they're also available online at travelingman.com. So hit them up. You know, buy buy some comics and some Funkos. Apparently, that's <laughs> something we're encouraging now. <laughs> who, who have we become? I know um, what have we done. <laughs> And um, other things that I assume are available at Travelling Man, I bet they are, uh, include Resident Alien, which is what we're yes. discussing this week. Yeah, I didn't uh, check if it was in stock. I probably should have done, but... I, I've definitely seen it 
in traveling man's stores if it still is yes. now is a very different question yeah. um we're we're borderline on topic at the moment as well because the the show started like yeah. two or three weeks ago three weeks ago episode three was out this week or last week or whenever we're recording this there's been three episodes i am um, from the past there's been three episodes i've i've only seen one so far but i will inevitably watch the others at some point soon i've, I've seen all three and it's interesting how it varies from the comic and i have to say i prefer the comic okay and i, I think we will get into that after we've done some comic yeah. chat if that's worth yeah you. that's good because i do want to talk about the actual comic yes yes so this was your choice so i'm gonna yes. ask the painful question of <laughs> angela why resident alien why resident alien um well first of all i heard there was a series coming out and i thought hey here's a good chance to be on topic for once and actually you know be down with general media trends um so that was a (laughs) that was a consideration the other consideration is it's actually a really interesting comic it's got murder mystery elements to it it's got themes of immigration and fitting in um, it has some problematic elements that I'm sure we'll mention later on with regards to its portrayal of Native Americans, but we'll gloss over that for now. Um, but, you know, small town, it's quite, and I did read this online, I can't remember where, I think it was Bleeding Cool, which makes my ears bleed that I read that. Um, but it is more like Murder, She Wrote and Columbo with an alien. There's an element of that, and I like those you know, small town murder mystery sort of shows. Um, So it's a nice comic from that point of view. It's a very easy read. There's not, you know, there's nothing in here that I have to reread and go, okay, so what was going on? I can actually follow the plot, which, as we know, I enjoy following plot. Um, (laughs) And it also has the alien element. And, you know, I do like a bit of the old school you know, aliens crash land on Earth and what happens next and Mm. conspiracy theories and men in suits following aliens around. So, yeah, it has a lot of things I like and it seemed on topic. And I I cannot argue with that. This is largely true, I think. Look at at us being up to date on something for once, not just... I mean, this wasn't too... It started in 2011, so... We are, maintain, we are maintaining the slightly, not quite terribly recent trends. In yeah, so, trends. you know, we're, we're up to date in one sense, but our day in another. Yeah, how <laughs> we roll. So, Resident Alien is written by Peter Hogan, who um, I think the only other things I've read from him are, like, Sandman tie-in books. Mm-hmm. Um, so stuff like The Dreaming and <laughs> ah. and Sandman Presents and those things that, those books that whilst quite easy to get, nobody who read Sandman wanted or cared about except yeah. me. I, um, I, I very much, this is a whole tangent, but hey, that's who we are. That's what um, we do. I very much found that when I finished Sandman, much like um, Star Wars, in a way, there were so many characters that I wanted just yeah, a little yeah. bit more about, and I I got that 
to a degree in Sandman Presents and The Dreaming and um, the guys from Fables did a lot of it and Peter Hogan did some of it as well. So um, it was weird to me that those series never really hit home with anyone and yet the Sandman universe relaunch a couple of years ago apparently was just what people who liked Sandman wanted. It's like, well, where were you for the last 20 years? Yeah, where were you to support the spin-offs? <laughs> Where were you when Thessaly Witch for Hire was all the rage? And that is it Merv Pumpkinhead, Agent of Dreaming or Agent of Dream, and it's D R E A M. Yeah. Um, where, where was the audience then? <laughs> uh, incidentally, I also think uh, Steve Parkhouse, who's the artist, colorer, and letterer. Uh, Letterer? Yeah, letterer. Letterer. yeah, he does he does all of it basically, yeah. Yeah, do, do, doing all the work. Um also did some time on the dreaming. Um Did he do all of it then? Did he do the colouring art and lettering then, or was he was that in the days when he could just concentrate on one particular <laughs> when he could take a break. Yeah. Um incidentally, it does look like somebody else coloured it back then. Ooh. And perhaps upsettingly, it appears letterists might not be credited on comicsology. If I just invented the word letterist as well, so te- yeah, but I feel like <laughs> it makes more sense than letterer. Uh, le- letterer. See, when you say letterer, because letter already ends in er, and you're just adding another er, it's letterer. Whereas letterist makes far more sense, <laughs> and I think we should push that as, as the, let's uh, make letterist happen. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going with that. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? I um, I'd never realised that they don't tell you who the letter is on Comicsology, so you can't like see that letter as letter that lettering person's other work, which I think would be a really interesting thing to see how much like letterers do and colorists do versus yeah. artists and writers. I mean- I, you know, I mean, we've we've talked about lettering before. It's one of our things. That's we'll who know. we've become now. Yeah, <laughs> we are the le- yeah we, we champion letterers. And I will say about the lettering in this, it's kind of interesting because it's a bit retro. We'll get into the whole retro feel. Mm. Um, but I would like, you know, sometimes I think, well, they've lettered that in a really interesting way. What else have they done? I would like to compare it with their other lettering. And Comixology doesn't let me do that. It's just not designed for people like us who actually care about all aspects of the creative team, including the poor souls just doing the lettering. And I think, you know, we we need a campaign to big up the letterers. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, more praise for lettering in comics. That's what the world needs. Um, That's what it wants, yeah. And that is worth mentioning. So both of us have read the well you've read all of resident alien because you've literally yes i've got <laughs> as usual i have gone too far i've literally read every bit of resident alien published up to time of recording um <laughs> there is another issue of um resident alien your rides here which is basically volume six yeah um that is due out um this month which i shall read uh, but as of now yeah i've read literally everything I binge, um, I binge read. I couldn't stop. <laughs> but by comparison, I've read the first three trades, which are currently collected in an omnibus. Um, you can get it on Comixology, as we both have. Yeah. Um, you can also get it from Dark Horse as a big old paperback, which I assume Yay. is about 400 pages, which seems pretty serious for a paperback comic. 
Yeah, it's, it's more of a doorstop kind of thing. Yeah, that's. I, I was surprised. I expected it to be like a hardback omnibus, not an yeah. industrial sized paperback. I, I really hope that they do when they finish it, because I think there are, there are hints that volume six might be the last one, but who knows? Maybe it's volume seven or volume eight. I can't remember uh, what Peter Hogan has said about that. Uh, but it would be nice if they collected it all in a nice big hardback at some point. Yeah, I think those like Dark Horse library editions we get with, yeah. let's be honest, Hellboy and <laughs> <laughs> also Black Hammer. Um, I think it would be nice to see that kind of treatment for this. It's, yeah. It, it would be nice to have a physical copy. But anyway, enough about <laughs> enough about formats we want this book in. Um, let's get on with the business. Um, yes. So, in a nutshell, yeah. this is going to be weird. Resident Alien is the story of an alien stranded on Earth yeah. waiting to get picked up who decides to assume a human identity and basically live on the outskirts of a small town in North America. Yep. Basically fishing and waiting. Basically, yeah. He came to he came to Earth. He crash landed on Earth. He came to Earth originally to destroy a probe that had been sent. Yeah. And had, and had also crash landed. I mean, you think that the aliens would therefore have been prepared, but apparently not. So he has to go and destroy the probe, which he does. But then as he's leaving, he gets shot down by someone, either Americans, Russians, Chinese, or somebody else. He manages to destroy his spacecraft, but then he's stranded. And his only hope is that someone realizes that he's missing and will come and get him. Yeah. Um, and he decides to take on the identity of... Dr. Harry Van der Spiegel. Spiegel. Yes. There's a bit in the there's a bit where he's talking to the sheriff early on in volume one where the sheriff's like, is that German? And he's like, it's Dutch actually. <laughs> Which is good to be fair. Mm. Um and he's under the assumption that by being a retired doctor, it explains why he has money and yep. people will leave him alone until Until the doctor dies in suspicious circumstances, and he's the only other doctor for miles around. Yes, and he finds himself in a in a kind of for the first volume in a kind of classic, almost procedural. Ep- it's like he's been dragged into a crime procedural as the you know, yeah, quirky consultant. Yes, it's it's. <laughs> The foundation of a hundred TV procedurals, yeah, yeah, um, and it's it's weird because we kind of see this this strange small town with strange small town vibes. Everyone knows everyone else's business, and yep. they've all known each other for forever. And the fact that there's been a murder is a big deal because no one's ever been murdered in this town before. Yeah. I- I forget, is the town Patience? Patience, yes. Gotta love that irony. I... Yeah, I think that, I, I like that name because he has to be patient, sitting yeah. around doing nothing, waiting, and ironically, he's in Patience. <laughs> um, and whilst, so, I don't know where to approach this book from. It's... It's many things. It is many things, and... 
whilst it is quite a small cast of characters to begin with, I think it is an interesting mix. Yeah. I think in a rare thing for comics, we see a predominantly quite old cast of characters. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think le- there is there is the little child character, Honey, who crops up later on, who's yeah. like eight or nine or ten. I, I can't remember how old she is. She's small, but all the <laughs> other characters, they're all grown adults. Several of them are grandparents. Yeah. Um, or they have grown-up kids or they have older kids. The only other young character, you've got Asta the nurse... Um, I mean, the other nurses are old, like Maggie, who's one of the other nurses, is, you know, she's middle-aged, if not a bit older. Um, and then you have the temporary doctor who comes in much later on, who's Ethan, who's oh, young. Yeah, that's true. But all the rest of them are predominantly sort of older characters, and there's an entire, even the, murd- the murdered doctor's an older guy, and all of that, you know, the other murder... Spoiler alert, there's other murders. Um, <laughs> sorry to break that, serial killer people. Um, they're older characters as well. So, yeah, there's not... It's not the... Because a lot of the time with these sorts of things, it's teenagers in a small town and they discover something unusual and yeah, aliens and the like. And that is not the case here. Here, most of the characters are mature adults just doing their daily business in the town like they always have pretty much yeah and it's i guess it's interesting to see something that is framed where it's it is focused on the older generation of characters in this town so by having the mayor who i would guess is in his 50s and yeah but he's got he's got white hair and spectacular sideburns Yes, so he's definitely old. He's definitely old. <laughs> and then we've got uh, Doc Hodges, who is dead, but he's clearly old, older. Yeah. We've got um, the sheriff, who we now know is called Mike. Yeah. Uh, who, again, is older. We've got Harry himself, who's at least pretending to be old enough to have retired. Yeah, he's... The thing is, is we only ever see Harry as a purple-headed alien. Now, other people see him as just, well, see him as a human, but we don't see their perspective of what Harry looks like. We're only ever seeing Harry as he truly is. Yeah, which is a really cool stylistic choice, I think. I think showing that... Harry is an alien all the time, kind of serves as a constant reminder that he's an alien. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's no doubting. No doubt. Yeah. But also gives us this... It, it's, it's, it's an interesting contrast because it almost serves to make him more human in a way. Yeah. Because then when we see the characteristics of Harry, it's that we, you know, he is an alien... But he is he is so human in everything. He's into crime novels and yeah. he's he's weird and disconnected, but he likes fishing and crime novels and other yeah. stuff, I guess. Hang, hanging out at the diner. Later on he starts to hang out in the diner. Yeah. And he goes to barbecues and bowling and you know, those kinds of things. 
Um, but when he first starts, he's like a little bookworm who likes fishing and doesn't want to be disturbed. And I think we can all relate to that. <laughs> I mean, I've never been fishing, but everything else, yeah. No, I've never been fishing either. But it, I, I think it does work. I think seeing Harry the alien consistently is a cool choice and it doesn't give us this flicking between identities and yeah. it, it means that when so he talks about one in a million people can see through his like psychic projection so i think it does mean that when someone can tell he's an alien it's more interesting yeah because and by that point you've already accepted that oh yeah he's an he's alien purple yeah uh, and it also works for him to be the point of view character because you're always seeing the true what Harry is. Whereas I think if we saw him as a human being some of the time, we'd lose that closeness of his perspective because there wouldn't be anything to distinguish him particularly. He'd just be a guy. Yes, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I... I do, I do really like this as a comic. Um, I think there's some good suspense in it with things like um, Asta consults him with a shotgun. Consults him with a she shotgun. Consults Sorry. him with a shotgun. Yeah, she's a shotgun consultant. <laughs> um, confronts. confronts. She confronts mm. him with a shotgun, and you know that that's. I assume that's where the end of the issue would be. Yeah if this was in singles and there's this whole tone where it's like she thinks he's up to no good or she, but it's just that she can't see who he is. So she's, yeah, she just sees him as blurry. Yeah. Whereas it's, it's interesting that she is, I guess his closest friend throughout the series. I mean, okay. There's yeah. Bert and there's Mike, Mike and there's the sheriff. Sheriff Mike, Mike the Sheriff. Sheriff Mike. <laughs> so, so there are definitely friend, people who are close to him, but Aster is the one who, I guess, is most aware that something isn't right, which yes, plays into the somewhat problematic Native American depictions. Yes, it does. So let's let's mention this now and get it out the way. Um, but yeah, there's this whole dreaming thing where she like chats with her dad in her dreams and you know mysticism and fate and being on the same path or divergent paths or paths are involved um, <laughs> I remember that yeah so th there's almost this hint that because She's not one. That, she's not one of the one in a million who can actually see Harry as he is. But because of this sort of mystical Native Americanness, she can sense there's something wrong with him because he appears blurred and she can't quite work him out and things like that. But it's explicitly tied into Native American mysticism, which is a little bit dodgy. Yeah, it's not great. Um... And a, I, I just, I feel like there were ways to do that that didn't have to tie into kind of Native American cliches. Yes, because it is very cliched, isn't it? 
yes, that's it, that is how it feels. It feels like this is how we always depict Native Americans. So this is what you're gonna get now. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame because Asta is a really good character, and I think she's a really good addition to the cast. I think she's got a good kind of dynamic with Harry. She has. I like how it sort of it, it, the, the, there's a, there's an arc with that relationship as well. So she starts off like distrusting him, and then in the showdown with the serial killer, uh, there is some shooting, and Harry accidentally gets shot. Um, but she looks after him, and she's like, "Yeah, you know, I know there's something not right about you, but you're not a threat." And then they become quite close friends. And Harry needs someone to confide in as well, and he's able to sort of confide in her a little bit, which is nice. Hmm. I, I agree. Um, and I, I think, yeah, d- despite there being some being some problematic Native American cliches worked in, um, aside from that, it is a well-done relationship yeah. and a well-written friendship between them. Yeah, it is. Which I think we see play out quite well across these first three volumes and we do see how they grow closer as friends and i think we we actually see a a pretty good authentic kind of um friendship between harry and everyone he meets i think it does come across quite naturally written um yeah which I think you can get a lot of comics where it's like, here's this weird outsider character and surprise, everyone's friends now. Cool. That's yeah. <laughs> so I think that there's a kind of natural progression to it, which feels more smooth than you might get elsewhere. Yeah. It's just, yeah, like I say, it's, it's naturally done. It's like not everyone's not besties immediately. It's mm. like, oh, hey, you're the new doctor. We must go out for coffee sometime and build a friendship. It's much more what would happen if someone was coming in as the town doctor. And obviously, as the town doctor, people, you know, small town doctor, you want a good relationship with your small town doctor because he's literally your only hope of medical aid. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> so, and the way, so people approach it like that, but then it develops along those lines and it's not, but it's never forced. It's never like, yeah, these people are friends now because reasons. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think it's something that works well in this kind of story. I think particularly going from that kind of police procedural thing, it's it's nice to yeah. see a more organic, smooth mixing of the new character into an established environment. It, it does remind me a little bit of Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> when they have the new yeah. sheriff come in after Sheriff Tupper's you know, Tom Bosley leaves for reasons. And then they have a new sheriff come in. And obviously there's always been that relationship between Jessica Fletcher and Seth, the doctor and the sheriff and the new sheriff comes in and they're a bit abrasive at first, but then they build a nice little relationship. And it reminded me of that for better or for worse. Yeah, I can see that. Um, (laughs) Some quality murder. She wrote detail there. I'm impressed. (laughs) I'm a fan. I'm just going to throw that out. there. Uh, it's so okay the the first volume is a kind of standard murder mystery affair um 
And from there, we... It, it kind of feels like at that point as well, it could have been a standalone one-volume type spiel, I guess. Yes. And, and it would have worked. It would have, If we'd have only had one trade, it would have worked fine. Yes. So I, I think there's, there's clearly room for more and i think volume two which moves into the suicide blonde storyline yep. um in which a teenage girl turns up dead in she's a teenage girl right she's older i think she's 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 young but yeah she's probably like late teens i think she's she's not um i don't know if her age is ever mentioned no possibly no but she's definitely she's young. We'll go with young. Mm. Yeah, she's not old. And she turns up in in a motel room on the edge of town. Yeah. Recently deceased, and we. Yeah. It's ruled to be a suicide, but is there more to it? And yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> Which serves as a good vehicle to kind of give more detail on the town, the people, and some of the people that we've seen so far, and to give us more about them. It also gives us a chance to see Harry travel to Seattle, am I? Oh, yeah. Washington State, at least. Yeah, it is. Which is an, it, it's interesting because we've only really seen him in the small town scenario, so seeing him and Asta elsewhere does serve as a different kind of background to work in, I guess, and also ties in more with the oh well we haven't mentioned this yet we uh, throughout the throughout yeah. the first volume and all of the book we're getting these flashbacks to how harry came to earth and yeah. the backstory of how he got to the town of patience how he destroyed his ship yeah stole some cash and some yeah. supplies from a mall and but then he paid them all back for the supplies. Yes, which is where the problems start. And Yeah, that was foolish, Harry. In doing the right thing, you drew the attention of some governmental men in suits. Yeah, it's... It, they, they, I, I guess the whole point is that they have this generic men in black FBI vibe yeah. who are investigating him. The trail goes... Away, cold. Dry. cold, cold. The trail goes, trail goes cold. cold. Not, not away and not dry. It goes cold. cold. <laughs> yeah, still uh, just cold. And, and then he pays everybody back, which is a rookie mistake, and yeah. gets the FBI right back onto you. Which it's an inch. It's interesting to have these like three plots side by side. So we're getting the sporadic flashbacks to what came before we're seeing the current timeline and then we're also seeing the fbi kind of trying to track him down which going to seattle obviously is part yeah. of the problem what what i did like was like the fbi at first were like that's just a guy in an alien mask yeah. they don't they don't actually immediately i love that they don't immediately jump to oh my god this is an alien we must go and hunt it down and cover this up and do whatever we do alien conspiracies and all that they're actually like nah this is a hoax this is just a guy in an alien mask and then as the evidence builds up they're like oh it's not a guy in a, it's an actual <laughs> alien oh god damn it so yeah i like that there's just that disbelief at first like nah not an alien and then okay 
is an alien. We must track it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good and it's different from the FBI we normally get. We normally get a very ah Christ, another alien. It's like what? what? But I I think we get less of an X Files and more of a non X Files mm. type and, FBI here. Yeah. Um, and it. It, it makes for a lot of potential. I think the idea that an alien an alien could crash and no one would notice is obviously not the way it would go. And I think whilst it's not immediately highlighted that like the FBI are on his trail, it's it's a nice addition later on in volume one, I think. It's hard to say with an omnibus, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the first three volumes. It's I think it's introduced late on in volume one because earlier yeah. on we see three years ago and things like that and how yeah. he crashed on Earth and him walking across the desert in a space suit. We see him having a conversation with his wife, fiance, back yeah. in space. So, well, yeah, back in back, space isn't helpful. Back in space. But. Back on his home planet. Yeah, he did have a... He had a... She was clearly they were in a serious relationship, but if they wanted the relationship to continue, because going to Earth would mean that he was going to have to go in stasis, she would also have to go in stasis. Otherwise, by the time he got to Earth, she'd have died. <laughs> and she chooses, yes. yeah, and she chooses to not go in stasis. So it's a, she, you know, because her parents are elderly and need her, so. Yeah. She chooses them over him, and it's quite sad. I mean, I get why she did it. It's not, you know, she's not painted as a villain for doing it, and Harry's clearly very yeah. sympathetic to her and her situation. He gets it, but he's still quite sad about that. Which is understandable, I think. Yeah, but we- it's weird, because their planet looks very... Their planet looks quite Earth-like, but, like, it's greener. Yeah, I think it's there's a lot of, like turquoises and greens and teals and purples and the the colouring for those pages of their planet is really good. I mean, to be fair, the colouring is good throughout. So I I think I've got a lot of time for Steve Parkhouse's colouring, arting, lettering combo. Yeah. Which I've got to say... and obviously this then ties into knowing that he did do some of the dreaming. Uh, his overall style, I think, is very, like, 90s Vertigo yeah. comics. But yeah. I, I think overall the book is very 90s Vertigo feeling. It is. I was... Because I think we were both surprised when we are like, oh, this was, like, published in 2011. It feels like it was published 15 years before that. <laughs> Which... It's, it's fine. Yeah, because, it's, it's yeah. not a bad thing. No, it's it, it's distinctive because what I like is in 2011, we were trying to forget the 90s in many ways. And I think if, if we look back on it, some of the most celebrated comics of the 90s are definitely from Vertigo. Yeah. Um, especially, yeah, like we've said, stuff like Sandman and... Sandman spin-offs. Sandman spin-offs. <laughs> Swamp thing. Yeah. That was still an ongoing, despite no one caring. Um, there, there was a lot of good books from yeah. Vertigo in the 90s that would ultimately 
stand apart from DC and pave the way for things like Fables and Why the Last yeah. Man and all the books we saw in the... I was going to say early thousands, but just the thousands. The, the thousands. <laughs> Most of these things ran for like five many, years longer. Many years, yeah. Um, which is, you know, I, I guess that's what brings us Resident Alien. It's guys that worked on Vertigo books who then, you know, it, it was a successful place to be. So yeah. it makes sense that the books kind of keep this Vertigo vibe. And it, it is a nice, it's a nice vibe because there's nothing else in 2011 that's like that because it's it's retro now. And it, it yeah. stands out for that. It's like, oh, actually, this marries the, you know, some of the good stuff of 2011 with the good stuff of the 90s. Yeah, and I think by 2011, a lot of would-be Vertigo books were now at Image trying to be a lot more yeah. modern. And I feel like Vertigo were actually releasing books that were trying to be a lot more image. Well, yeah. Dark Horse was a bit of a dark horse, you might say. <laughs> a bit of a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Ah, that's me for this week. <laughs> got, got the word play in there, I can go home. Um, hey. So before we move on to television show stuff, Volume yeah. 3 volume is... Volume 3. I think both of our favourites. So good. It's so good. So after the after the murder and after the suicide question mark. Question mark, yeah. We we then find that essentially Harry just wants to know who wrote his favourite mystery books. His his favourite crime books. And there's more to it than that. There is. He finds a manuscript. Um, that's been hidden away by the dead doctor from volume one, Dr. Hodges. And I like that we've not forgotten that he existed because it would have been so easy to just be like, yeah, he's dead. And then we never mention him again, but no, we actually have proper callbacks to him, particularly in this volume. And he finds this hidden manuscript and it's by this, this mystery author that he really, that Harry really loves to read um but it seems like this weird autobiographical story and he's just intrigued by it um about a murder um and he's like did this really happen who might who might have done it who is this author and because it's such a small town he's basically investigating within the small town who this author is and it's really nice because it shows as well the relationships by this point that he's made with the people of the small town because they indulge him in his little side quest (laughs) to find the author of this book yeah what what the truth about this mysterious manuscript is which it doesn't feel like it should be such an interesting volume but I I really think it is. And I think the idea that after solving murders, it's yeah <laughs> then just interesting to try and find out who the author of this book was and who the real person behind the pseudonym? Yes. Was, yeah. Now look at me, I know words, pseudonym. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a real weird volume. But it's it's kind of 
intriguing because of that, I think. The fact that we see yeah. we see glimpses into the past of patience. Yeah. I stand by that as a yeah. sentence that's not weird and flawed. Um <laughs> and, and we I, I think everything along the way serves to tell us more about the setting and about Harry and about who he is. Yeah. So learning that yeah there are there is a history here and there is a town before Harry enters it, which I think sometimes yeah. isn't as this, isn't yeah. this considered. Yeah, and it's nice to go because obviously in the last one they went to Seattle, and you know it was nice to see Harry and Asta interact with people outside of the town and get a feel from them outside of the town. But then it's nice to bring it all back to the town because ultimately this is sort of this is Harry's home now. This is you know I think that's what it shows is like you know yes he goes to Seattle and does all the things, but ultimately he comes back home to patience, and then it's like. There's still stuff to learn about, you know, there's always stuff to know about where you live, like, you know, murder and <laughs> hidden <laughs> hidden underbelly. And it's nice for him to see a bit more of the history before he arrived and who these people were before he came on the scene. Yes, I, I agree. And I think... Okay, I'd, I'd forgotten. And the flicking through this is... My, is... I had forgotten about the electrician guy who's yeah who's just an idiot he's but he's like terrible. he's just five star terrible he yeah keeps promising he's gonna fix things but ultimately makes stuff worse he puts his leg through the floor which is how yeah. harry finds the manuscript yeah in a sam hodges branded briefcase yeah um monogrammed is probably the term not monogrammed branded. yeah and, big phrase yeah um yeah i <laughs> He is a wonderfully stupid addition to this, I think. Yeah. Um, and I mean, bless, he's, he's so well-meaning. He, Like you say, he's absolutely terrible. He's the worst handyman. He would be blacklisted. Yeah, but because you, it's a small you just wouldn't town, call this guy. Yeah, but because it's a small town and everyone knows everyone else, you can't, unfortunately, blacklist the guy, so you're forced to still give him work, even though he's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, there's a lot of good stuff in this volume. There's, like I say, there's the the digging into the past. There's the investigation from Harry of was this manuscript based on true events or was this fiction? I think it tells us a lot about the friendship with Asta. Yeah. That she's willing to go along with his nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> dull Jim. Um, we also get things that, so there's a whole, this is there's a lot of layers. So there's a subplot with the new new doctor, the Ethan. New Ethan, yeah. Which, without Ethan, we they don't get to go to Seattle. I think that's an important yeah. thing. Yeah. So Ethan turns up and is this kind of, I don't know, young emo looking doctor guy. Yeah. Who isn't a bad guy and. But people don't like him as much as Harry for whatever reason. I guess yeah. people don't trust young doctors. We know this historically for some yeah, reason. This is, yeah, it's like, you look, you know, you're the age of about 12. Are you qualified? <laughs> yeah. So he's he's not a bad guy, and he just doesn't really fit what patients want in the no. doctor. He's, and, he's a young urban chap, and they're yeah. small rural town. 
yes. And he, I think his addition facilitates that Harry and Aster can just go to Seattle for a volume. And, yeah. And he also facilitates that, again, Harry can just wander around trying to find out more about a book that wasn't released. Yeah. And the yep. story behind it. But we also see the scene where he decides to, or he's convinced, I'm not, I can't remember which it is, to take a job in the city and go away. Where yeah. they're like, ah, oh, good luck, you know? And as soon as he leaves, it's like, okay, cool, let's break out the good cake, I think. Yeah, I, f- I do feel for Ethan, because he doesn't do anything wrong. He just is not what they want. What they want is an alien. What they want <laughs> is an alien called Harry, who they've no idea is an alien, apart from... And that's also what appears in this volume is that so the granddaughter of one of the people we meet in this volume um, called Honey, who is young and small, she actually sees Harry for who he is and she draws a picture of him as an alien. Yes, she does. It's a very nice picture. It's quite skillfully made. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And she's ever so proud of it. And everyone's like, all right. Uh, grandma's like, I think it's the end shortly after that. Uh, grandma's like, oh, that's a weird picture. But hey, whatever. Well done, kid. Which, I, I mean, you've gone further than I have with this. Yeah, that does become a plot point. I get spoilers. Because yeah. we, we've obviously seen hints, you know, there's a photo taken of Harry in... Volume 2. Volume 2 in Seattle, which kind of suggests to the FBI that he might be an alien and... Yeah. There's there's enough to hint at the something's not as it seems with Harry throughout the volumes. And I, I think it's quite a well-paced story in the the long narrative of Harry is an alien stranded in a small town yeah. in, in the United States is quite well-paced and we see enough to explain that this isn't a quick story about him getting a ride back to... No. (laughs) There's a lot of... There's a lot of dimensions to it, and I think a a lot of comics would be tempted to rush to... Yeah, but the FBI are involved, and there's... Yeah. the, The... the investigation into who he is. I feel like a lot of comics would be eager to make it about that. The fact that it is just about this guy. It's yeah, I think makes it a better read. The fact that it's not about or not predominantly about the investigation and the fact that he's an alien. And that takes a backseat to the fact that he's, you know, wants to help people and does like humans yeah, because you, you, you could imagine in another book, like the end of even like the first or second issue, the FBI would immediately be on his trail and they'd be like searching for him and they'd be there and that, you know, and the end of the first volume, they, you know, they probably capture him or something. But here they're only just really by the end of volume three, they're only just picking up the clues to even trace where he might be because they yeah. have the picture of uh, Asta wearing her very distinctive jacket. So you got to get Sloops. rid of the jacket. Yeah. Spoiler alert, that kind of might happen in the next volume. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's nice that 
that isn't the focus. It's always there in the background and it's percolating away. But that's not what the point of this is. The point of this is to see Harry interacting with the people um, and forming relationships and solving crime, which is far more interesting. Because we've seen the FBI chase aliens thing, I don't know how many times, in all sorts of media. Yes. Um, And so it's nice to... I mean, obviously, you kind of have to have that there because it's part of the... It's a trope uh, that you get with aliens stranded on Earth stories. You're always going to get the government types coming after them. But the fact that that is so in the background for a lot of it is really refreshing Mm. because you just get to know the characters better and you get to see them more. And then ultimately, if the FBI ever do catch up with him, it will have far more of an impact because you'll have seen how important he is to the world that he's now living in on Earth. Yes, that, yeah, all of that. <laughs> well yeah. well said, Angela. Um, Thank you. I've been bizarrely coherent. I don't know what's happened. <laughs> um, worried for myself. I, I like this book a lot. And whilst, yes, there are some problematic elements, I think it ultimately tells an interesting story about an outsider becoming part of a small town. Yeah. It's an immigrant who's integrating into the world in which he finds himself. Yeah, and it's... I, I think it's it's a, a very positive story in that sense. I think we see a, a, a largely very accepting town. Yeah. Which we don't often get in <laughs> this no. kind of story. Which no. Is, it is a nice change-up, and I think... There's a good mix of characters. Um, I do really like Harry and I do like Aster a lot, I think. Yeah. Um, there's something creepy about Bert at times. I'm sure you'll well, agree. Well, I mean, Bert <laughs> is is suspected of being involved in the suicide question mark of that young lady because they have been, ha- they, they did, you know, hang out in a bar and he probably is old enough to be her father at the very least. So... Bert is a little bit creepy. Um, Mike the sheriff seems okay. But, yeah, Aster and Harry are far more interesting characters, and it's nice that they're sort of the focus. But even some of the nurses, I mean, they're horrible to Ethan sometimes. Um, but <laughs> I, I feel you really do sorry. you got to do what you got to do, not you, you know? I know. Um, but they're all really nice as well. Um but yeah, there's some interesting there's some interesting town characters. But yeah, Harry is probably my favourite character, swiftly followed by Asta, because yeah, we spend most time with them and they're most interesting. But everyone's you know, there's some good char- even, you know, rubbish minus five star handyman. <laughs> Worth his weight in gold as a character yeah. there. Um, exactly, yeah. So I think that's Largely what I've got to say about the comic. Do you want to move yeah. on to the TV show? Or have you got anything else you'd like to throw in? All I can say is it's a good comic. Um, volumes four and five are different. He ends up in New York City in volume five, I think, which really expands the world out a great deal and expands aliens out a great deal and kind of takes it in a different direction and is both good and also... I don't like it in some respects because 
I think this book is at its strongest when it's focusing in on the little things, the relationships between people in a small town. Yes. Which is going to be really interesting when I mention the TV show, but we'll gloss over that for now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it kind of goes a little bit. Certainly, I think sort of volume five into volume six has gone a weird. It's gone a direction that I get why it's completely logical it's gone in that direction, but I'm not 100% on board the same way I am with these first volumes. Yeah, okay, yeah, I think that's fair. Spoilers. Um, I think at some point I will definitely carry on with this. I was originally going to hold off for a second omnibus, but that's going to be like in the distant future and yeah i mean we're are we three issues into volume six now so yeah so, so that's gonna have to finish then we're gonna have to get volume six, six. and we have to get the yeah i'm just gonna buy then the it's gonna trade. Have to be a trade yeah yeah um but it's definitely something i want to carry on with i, I do need to know how this turns out i think yeah that's why i binge read it because i literally couldn't stop <laughs> I was like, I need more. I need to know what happens to Harry. Is he okay? It happens to the best of us, Angela. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. First step is admitting you have a problem. <laughs> I'm very, yeah, I have many problems, but this is one of them, yeah. So, to move on to the uh, TV series, yeah. which started three weeks ago at the time of recording. Yes, at the time of recording, yeah. Um, most notably starring Alan Tudyk of fame. Oh, <laughs> of fame. He was in Firefly. Firefly that time. And um, am I right in saying he's in A Knight's Tale? He's in A Knight's Tale. He was what in A Knight's Tale with very ginger hair. A Knight's um, Tale is an unappreciated gem of a film. It's a brilliant film and more people should see it. It might be Paul um, Bettany's favourite. No, for it me is, it might be Paul, Paul Bettany's best, best work. It absolutely is. He's and fabulous. He, he's not in it that much, but... He's oh, gone whenever he he's on the screen. He's so worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Alan Tudyk was also in, he was Mr. Nobody in Doom Patrol. He did that. Yeah. Um, my, my he was in, friend, Do- he in, was in Doll's House. He was Alpha in Doll's House. Um, he's been in so many things. But he was he was in Death at a Funeral, which is one of my favourite other films. Um, and he was also to bring it back to droids, because that's been a theme. Oh, and yeah, of course. Yeah, he droids. was K2SO in Rogue One. Yes, so there you go. He can really do anything as long as it involves him, you know, either not being on screen or... <laughs> or being weird. No, yeah. he, he is a good actor, and I, I get the casting for him as Harry, although... I'm not so keen <laughs> on that, Harry. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's doing really good stuff with it, and he is the best thing about that show. Mm. And Harry is still the best thing about the show. But his Harry is so completely different in yes. every single way. Yes. Yeah. yes. In the comic, there's a there's an entire sequence, and I think it is volume two, where it shows that he went to the library and he started off with the ABC books. And then he graduated onto Grey's Anatomy, and then he graduated onto developmental psychology, and then he ended up reading Raymond Chandler. As you do. As you do, that's what happens. Um, and that's clearly how he learnt the English and learnt how to be a doctor, and Harry in the series doesn't. He just watches Law and Order reruns. And that's how he learns how to be a person. 
Yeah. Don't get me wrong, it's funny. It's hilarious. But it is weird. (laughs) Yeah. And I... It's a much more, like, sinister Harry in the show versus quite a gentle, I want to say is the word I want. Yeah, he's a gentle and kind of... Harry in the in the comic wants to do the right thing and even sometimes you know when there's murder involved he can he knows what justice is um and also you know he paid back the money he stole from the mall and all that sort of stuff but also he's there for a different reason so he ends up on earth he's there to destroy a probe which he does he crash lands and then he destroys his spaceship Harry in the show crash lands because he was about to drop a device on Earth that would exterminate all life on Earth. So he's coming from a very different place originally. Yeah, and whilst I don't dislike the show, there there are certain elements to that that don't sit right with me. The fact that he's murdered the real... uh, spoilers. Spoilers, uh, yes. <laughs> the fact that he's like, yeah, murdered the real Harry Vanderspiegel. No, Vander. Vanderspiegel. Spiegel. He's murdered the real Harry Vanderspiegel and assumed his identity. He's ready to murder the the kid in town that can recognize who he is. Yeah. He's 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 just a lot darker and more antagonistic, and I guess yeah. And he doesn't know anything about doctoring. That's the other thing. Like, Harry in the comics has read Grey's Anatomy, and I don't know what volume it's in. It might be volume four, where he says to Asta, um, you know, although I'm not qualified as a doctor technically, if you gave me a medical exam tomorrow, I would totally pass it because I've researched and done all the rest of it. And Harry in the show is looking things up via Google. As you do. As you do. And it's... Yeah, he's not got any medical knowledge whatsoever. And also, Harry in the comics did not kill a guy. He just took on the persona um, and called himself Harry because technically he's Harry in his own language, I think. And that's where Harry comes from. It might be true in the show to a certain extent. But yeah, the Harry in the show is both more childlike and more sinister. Which is... Uncomfortable combination, if you ask me. I think that's the thing, is because he's not... I mean, let's compare it to to K2SO, because he's quite, at times, childlike, but also will murder stormtroopers given half a chance. Yeah. And that works. It does. That works. Whereas this innocence paired with, you know, I want to kill you all doesn't work in the same way and it doesn't work compared to harry in the comics as i would like it to i think they're trying to shove too much in. it's a fish out of water story he doesn't understand people but also he likes law and order and there's a crime in town so he really likes that but also also he wants to kill all human beings but also there's this kid who he you know wants to kill because kill so he's a bad person but we have to empathize with him because he's a fish out of water and all of that yeah it feels like there's more contradictions in the show. I think Yeah. it's more simple in the comic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, 
so the, yeah, the Harry in the comic is an immigrant who is finding himself and is managing to integrate into society. In the show, Harry is a fish out of water who has no interest at all in integrating, but is finding himself sort of forced into it, and he doesn't really want to do it. Yeah, pr- pretty much, pretty much entirely that. I and. Don't worry, I, I'm not saying that the show has no merit. I think there are, there's... Uh, okay, you've, yeah. seen, you've seen more than me. I've so seen that might three be episodes. And I've also, having seen three episodes, I subjected my mother to it. Um, <laughs> H- having a good time, is she? Or? <laughs> She's enjoying it. She likes crime procedurals, so I figured I could sell it to her on that. Um, what's interesting is the murder of the Doctor... By episode three, it's mentioned, but it's, like, not a thing that's being investigated, which is saddening me. I thought that was going to be, like, the main hook, like, at the, is it the end of episode one, though, at the funeral? Yeah, and, I was and he like, cracks one of these the coffin. People. Yeah, and then, yeah, and sniffs the guy. And then he's like, yep, one of these people murdered him. And you think, right, so that's a hook that we're going to revisit. But in the follow, the second episode, he's focused on killing the little boy who can see him as he is. The third episode, we have a whole, the body of Harry, the original Harry, is a problem. And he has to, you know, find things like that. But the murder of the Doctor's pretty much forgotten. Mm. Um, in favour of also, and it sits, there's two aspects to the show that don't always sit nicely together, which is you've got this hilarity of Harry and it is very funny and it is amusing um, and I do enjoy all the all the scenes that Harry's in I'm interested in but sat alongside that you've got like classic small town melodrama with alcoholic relatives and people that have left and abandoned you and teenage pregnancy and abusive husbands mm. and all of this and it doesn't quite met i have to say because i've watched each episode twice and on the second viewing i know on the second that's that's a lot of dedication for a show you're not sure you're into i know it's slightly worrying isn't it but it it works slightly better on a second viewing but the first time i've watched every episode those two strands it's a bit like water and oil rubbing up against each other it doesn't quite work and the murder mystery aspect which I think could be really... Maybe it is. I mean, there's ten episodes, and we're only on episode three, so there's chance for the murder mystery to sort of come involved. Yeah. But I'm disappointed that we've not looked at that more. There's There's been more, oh, yeah, you know, I'm re- you know, this character is sad that he's dead. And it's like, yeah, great, but I want to know more about the murder, because clearly someone in the town didn't like him because they poisoned him. Yeah, you know, at some point the man was murdered, so... Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. That is a valid point that I hadn't really thought about. Um, yeah, and it's, it's trying to be a lot of different things, um, and those things do not always sit comfortably with each other. Well, I, that was something I was going to bring up, actually. Let me find the thing. You'll uh, you'll know the thing when I find the thing. You'll, oh, roll, I love, you'll, I like roll, the thing. you'll roll your eyes about the thing. Um, so, <laughs> for the, like, promo poster type thing, I mean, is it a promo poster if it's not real? Um, it, virtual. The, the yeah. virtual <laughs> promo poster yeah. reads 
Alan Tudyk in the sci-fi murder mystery Doctor Dramedy Earth Needs Now, Resident Alien. Yeah. And I I I just feel like they are slotting a lot of stuff in because it's like whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know if I see this as a drama or a comedy, let alone a dramedy, which let's stop using that word, please. Dramedy, um, yes. I feel, yes, there is comedy in it, and yes, it, I think it varies between a drama and something more tense at times, almost. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's, yeah, it, the mere description of the show feels like they've got a lot of angles that they're playing. And I don't know if that comes from a place of wanting to do a lot or feeling uncertain about how to adapt this. Cause I didn't think this was going to be such a strange adaptation. Um, It's the only, there is very little that's actually adapted per se. The only things that I can see is you've got Harry and you've got Asta and you've got a sheriff called Mike. Yeah. Character-wise, that's literally all you've got. And those three characters are completely different in the show than they are in the comic. And then you've got a murder of the town doctor and the alien is forced to become the town doctor. But that's really where it ends. They have not touched... Oh, no, I mean, they have got, there is a hint of some people, certainly in um, episodes two and three, of not men in suits, but mysterious parties who may be hunting Harry. That's okay. hinted at. Um, but at the same time, there's very little of the comic that's made it to the screen whatsoever. And I kind of think that, yeah, they didn't know what they were doing to adapt what is a retro-feeling comic to a modern TV show without Mm. completely mangling it. Which, don't be wrong, I think we've seen a kind of um, divergence from source material with a lot of adaptations recently. Sometimes I think people nail it. So, um, iZombie. Yeah. I... I like the show, I like the comic, but they're not the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> there is yeah. only one... Nope, sorry, scratch that. There is no, There are no characters carried over from the comic to the iZombie TV show. No. None. They, right down to the main character, her name, her job, everything is changed. She is still a zombie. And th- there, are, there are references to it to the comic made, and whilst I think it is distinctly different, I understand that the comic is a challenge to adapt. It's got mummies, it's got cosmic implications, it's got yeah. elder gods. There's a there's a lot to handle that you can't make into a crime procedural style show as yeah. I Zombie is. Equally, though, I think you look at something like. Riverdale. Oh dear God, yes. Yeah. Which I, I don't mind Riverdale. I haven't seen all of it. I've I've seen the first couple of seasons. But Archie Comics to Riverdale yeah. <laughs> is, is yeah. clearly a decision by somebody that there needs to be more threat and it needs to be darker and more sinister and that 
the, you can take the characters' names and some of the elements of the core. Yeah. But let's just let's just clear this right up right now. Archie Andrews would never be having an affair with the art teacher. So true. Jughead Jones would never be a homeless yeah. kid whose oh god no dad is in a biker gang and <laughs> look Jughead's defining characteristic is hamburger so yeah know. I don't... <laughs> and I I think that's one of the things it's like t- to take. Archie to Riverdale, you have to abandon a lot of Archie comics along the way to make this darker show that's more interesting to a modern audience. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah. that yeah. people weren't perhaps going to get on board with a kind of odd comedy that doesn't really go anywhere. Well, Archie. Yeah. Um, and, and again, nothing against Riverdale and nothing against the Archie comics because I've enjoyed all i've read of the archie reboot um jughead is better i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) the truth just just hitting you with the truth here you know ryan north chip zadarsky erica henderson yeah Derek charm i can keep naming creators but i'm gonna stop um (laughs) covered the important ones (laughs) other creators are available um but i think that's a similar thing here i think Resident Alien as a comic feels quite easy to adapt in quite a straight, you know, comic to screen way. I I just don't 100% agree with some of the changes, by which I mean the changes. (laughs) Changes because it's all changed. I think that's the thing. I think you could make Harry more sinister, but I don't think that's the crux of his character. I think it's you could, you know, either go with fish out of water, and but don't have such weird, sinister overtones. Yeah, and I, I wonder. Uh, well, no, I don't wonder. I know, I know that the overarching story of the TV show is going to be that he decides he doesn't want to kill us all, actually, because yeah, he be- he feels accepted and he likes humans. I know that's, that's yeah, that's the me- that's what the story is going to be. Um, Sorry, Sci-Fi Channel. I <laughs> yeah, we just um, spoilers for your show. That's definitely where it's headed. But I think it's more interesting in the comic where Harry is already at that point. He yeah, he already didn't have a problem with humans, and I think that's yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the other thing is like. So you see the small town dramas in the comics, and they're interesting. But, but they they take like a single panel. <laughs> yeah, and in the show, certainly, I mean, certainly in episode three, we like. I mean, take the character of Asta, um, because she's such a good character in the comics. She's a good character in the TV show, but dear God, she has the like the story of a soap opera character. So. Yeah. It so would be abusive her, acts oh, it the... gets it gets better. There's even more. So her mother <laughs> abandons her. She doesn't know who her real dad is. I don't think her mother abandons her. She gets raised by this other guy who she calls dad, but he isn't like her biological dad because reasons. And then she gets pregnant at sixteen by the biker who's going to turn into the abusive husband. She gives the kid up. Um, I, I and... think that's in episode one, though, right? Yeah. 
Okay. But, yeah, she, yeah, there's mention that in episode one. And then, so, but, and she stayed with the abusive guy and they ended up getting married and she felt like if she left the marriage, then she would have given the baby up for nothing. And that, the adoption plot line continues to fester throughout episode three in big ways. Um, and then she eventually leaves her abusive ex and it's like, why does she, no, not only was she abandoned by her own mother, she was a teenage mother. She's got an abusive ex. She doesn't really know who her biological father is. It's like, how much, oh yeah, and she's really sad because the doctor was her sole father figure in life because she was estranged from the father that raised her, even though the father that raised her wasn't her actual father. I mean, (laughs) please stop, show, just stop (laughs) at a certain point. There's so much in there to unpack. And I mean, even the deputy in episode three is like, yeah, you know, so I did an ancestry DNA test and it turns out that my real father was my dad's best friend, Bill. Um, so I told my dad and he and his mom's, uh, he and my mom split up and now they, and now he lives in Ohio. And it's like, right, great, whoa, whoa, show. Let's just drop these huge melodramatic backstories. We don't need it. That we is. really don't need it. That, yeah, that is a lot for a 10-episode show. Mm. Um, I mean, we're both clearly going to carry on watching it. I mean, yeah. And I, I, I feel like that is purely because we both like the comic. We both yeah. need to know. Um, and I like, I ironically, I still like Harry in the show, just I don't like him anywhere near as much as I like him in the comic. It's a very different character. Yeah, I want to see, and like I say, when Alan Tudyk's on the screen, I'm just enjoying myself because he's a good actor and he acts weird really, really well. That's just not the character that very, I'm... Very practiced at being weird. Yeah, very, he's done a, sub, a lot of... I don't know how that comes about as an actor. You but. know, but he's he's very good at that. But And the the rivalry that he has with the young boy who can see him as he really is is hilarious but again does not fit into the general melodrama stuff going on in the background on the one hand you've got somebody wrestling with the baby that she gave up when she was a teenager versus hey there's this kid who i'm thinking of killing in a you know terrible way it's weird um yeah. So I'll, I'll stick with it. I am enjoying it. I'm not so keen on the melodrama aspects of everyone's got a tragic backstory kind of stuff going on. And some characters just annoying a little bit. But I will stick with it partly because I really like the comic and I want to support something with the name. But the comic, yeah. for me, is superior. Who knows? Maybe the next seven episodes will be amazing and I'll come back and... We'll check episode. in again in seven episodes. We'll check in and see. But for the moment, I'd stick with the comic because the comic is is better. <laughs> I I think that is fair. I by all means, if if you're listening to this and you're curious about Resident Alien, def, definitely check out both and make your own decisions. But I, yeah. I I think both of us would recommend the comic first and the Absolutely, show second. Absolutely, yeah. Um. I think that's largely all I've got to say about Resident Alien. I don't know yeah. why. I think, I think we could carry on, but we would ultimately rehash everything. We'd just be repeating everything all over again. So, yeah. Read the comic. Yes. Which I feel like is often our message. I don't know. <laughs> um, Which is good, considering we're a comics podcast. I think we're, we're doing that, the right thing there. Uh, that's a good shout. Um, mm. So... 
thank you for listening. We will be back next week for our February comics roundup. Yes. Because this month does not take any time at all, does it? <laughs> I like, didn't we just record that? Like, yeah, that's February's a weird month. Um, so we'll be back next week for that. Um, I've been Zach. You've been Angela. Yeah, we've both been host people. <laughs> we've both been host people. And um, we've been bigger than capes. And remember that comics are bigger than bigger capes. Than cape. No, never ever going to get that synced up right. Never going to work. <laughs>